Hey, Dr. Dan, welcome back to the podcast. Hey, Tay, thanks for having me back. Um, it's exciting, the new episode, new uh, season of uh, exciting topics and episodes you're um, going to have on this year. I've seen a little preview and listened to your first couple of episodes here, and it's going to be super exciting season. Yes, I'm so excited that I'm really glad that you're, you know, coming on so soon in the season two because you're such a fan fave from season one. And, uh, you know, your episode that we did together entitled the ketamine episode from season one was the, you know, most popular by far, most downloads, highest reviewed. It just did so well. So the people have spoken. They want you back. And I'm just so glad you're here because we have so much to talk about today. So thank you. This is going to be fun. Yeah, excited. So, you know, it's funny because today um, is the day before the full moon in Pisces and we're recording here at the clinic and it's like this kind of rainy day. We have this weird tropical storm that's supposed to be coming in. I don't know. So it's like the energy is kind of, you know, funky. You can feel outside the combination of just like this storm and then the full moon. And so we were chatting about this yesterday because you are a Pisces rising, obviously. And so I just like pulled up your your chart on my phone Um you know, I love you, by the way, if I have your natal chart on my phone, <laughs> I'm always doing that for my friends. Like, hold on, let me, let me double check your chart real quick. But anyway, I pulled it up. We were looking to see, you know, where this full moon was happening in your chart. And, uh, we realized, wow, this is, this is a big one for you. It's aspecting, um, not just your, uh, your rising sign in the first house, but also your North node, which has a lot to do with, you know, your destiny and your future. Um, so we were like, we got to, we got to call Dolly, the Charleston astrologer. We need an emergency astrology reading with her for this. So you are on the books to talk to her today. And I'm excited for that because, um, you know, again, you have such interesting astrology in your natal chart and, uh, I'll be curious to see what she says that this means for you. So I may have to circle back and kind of add some stuff in the show notes um, and, and let the people know what she said, because I think it's going to be some big stuff. Man, in preparation for my meeting with her this afternoon, I went back and reviewed my um, session I had with her in January at the beginning of the year, kind of forecasting the year. And it was incredible how she just pegged everything. <laughs> she was like, I, I was really on fire that day. I was like, man, you sure were. Because like, yeah, Everything she previewed has um, come to fruition, and a lot of it I had forgotten, you know. And um, but just going back and looking at it is so so cool. And I think she referenced this period of time. Well, you were telling me this when you were looking at your notes, like when you had that reading with her in January, that she was like mentioning this period of time, and you had kind of forgotten that she had mentioned it. So it is it is super pivotal, and I I'm interested to see what she says. But you know, when we recorded last season, I obviously went over you know more detail of your natal chart, and like really, you have such an interesting one. I thought it would be kind of fun today to do something a little bit different. And that's talk about something called an annual perfection or a perfection year. So what I love about this is um, basically every time you have a birthday, you're going to enter into a new annual perfection. So um, depending on what age you're turning, you're going to have a theme for the year, depending on what house you're that it falls in. So there's 12 houses in the Zodiac. And basically like when you're born from age zero to one, you're going to have a first house year. And then the next year you roll into the second house year after that third house and so on. And you're just going to repeat going through those 12 houses for the rest of your life. So you have a January birthday. Um, so you've been in an eighth house perfection year this year. And when you have another birthday, in January of 2024, you'll be entering a ninth, ninth house perfection year. So the themes for you this past year of an eighth house perfection year have really been, okay, bear with me on this because it sounds kind of, sounds a little morbid, but it's not. Um, eighth house themes are taxes, death, um, inheritances, and other people's money. So the way I see that as far as this past year goes for you is, you know, you obviously you sold your practice in Beaufort. Um, so there's a, a whole financial side and money side of doing that. And then obviously the financial side of opening a new business here, Coastal Ketamine and Aesthetics. So that all checks out. Um, but I think like the death part to me is really just like, that really was kind of an ending or an end point or a death, I guess, in some ways of that part of your life there, you know, that long running practice that you had just, you know, living there full time. So as you come into your ninth house perfection year, when you have your birthday, you're going to be entering this new 
year of, and the themes of that is really cool. I love this for you, by the way. It's travel, wisdom, foreigners, and foreign places. So what do you think about that? I'm here for it. <laughs> yes, I knew you would be. I'm like, that's perfect for him. <laughs> you know, I love to travel and um, experience new cultures and new foods and new things. And so I'm, I'm totally down for that. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And we'll circle back to some of those themes when we um, talk later on. But it, it's just so interesting because I'm like, you had this kind of like heavier year last year dealing with a lot of logistics stuff and money stuff and moving stuff and big changes. And now maybe your your you know ninth house year is really just going to be the stuff that you love, like traveling and 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 I love the wisdom part too. So I think that's going to be awesome for you. It all it looks good to me. So listen, I, I want to recap a little bit. We are here obviously recording at Coastal Ketamine and Aesthetics, our clinic in West Ashley, and we have been open almost five months now. So I'd love for you to just kind of touch on like, how's it been? What it's been like? What do you think? Yeah, I can't believe it's been five months already. Time's just flying, flown by, but um, it's been amazing. Um, better than I could have ever imagined. Um my life being, um, you know, it was a little bit scary giving up uh, the practice that I built, you know, over 20 years and, and saying goodbye to patients and friends in that area. But this new beginning has been incredible. And, um, you know, right off the bat, um, you know, we started off um, running, you know, we had a full slate of patients in our academy practice and our aesthetic practice is building up. But um, it's just been it's been really remarkable. I pinch myself every day that I get to wake up and come in here to this beautiful space and um, to connect with people and to help them connect with themselves and the transformations that we've seen our patients uh, go through through this ketamine, through the ketamine journeys has been just so incredible and rewarding and fascinating to, to watch uh, can you elaborate a little bit on that? I mean, obviously I know because I'm with you in, in clinic and I get the, you know, um, it's, it's amazing to be a part of that and see it firsthand, but I'd love for you to tell people like a little bit about what that's like, like the transformations we're seeing and kind of what type of patients we're having come through and what the protocol is like now that we're actually doing it. Yeah. So we've, we've seen a wide array of patients um, from all walks of life, all ages, um, equal amounts of men and women um, are coming to us, and they're all coming to us in different spaces um, and with different issues and different problems. Um, but it's it's fascinating to see folks come in, you know, that are um, that are struggling, um, are dealing with past traumas, war traumas, childhood traumas, um, depression, uh, just feeling anxious or stuck, and you can see it in their eyes, and you know they're. Uh, I wouldn't say desperate, but they're they're craving um, you know change and healing, and you can and you can see it, the transformation happening right before your eyes. And you know, in primary care, so much of what we do is just disease management and, and you know trying to keep people um, from having catastrophic <laughs> things happen to them. Um, but um, and and it's a slow process um, if there is any you know significant change. Whereas with ketamine, you know, our protocol is six infusions over two weeks, two to three weeks. And to see somebody go from stuck and anxious or depressed um, to, you know, even as quick as the first infusion, to see the change and just their eyes and their appearance and, and the way they're looking at life. Um, and then when they complete the protocol after two weeks to see the dramatic shift that's happened for them, um, it's just so rewarding and beautiful to watch. It really is. It's amazing. And you know, when they, when the patients are on the protocol, like you said, we do six infusions spaced over, you know, a period of two to three weeks. And each infusion is, you know, about an hour, not including kind of prep time and, you know, chatting afterwards. So we're spending a lot of time really like one-on-one -on -one with these patients um, over a condensed period of time. And I don't know about you, but I don't think I realized like how quickly you know, we, we form these um, kind of close, relatively intimate bonds with these patients that come in because we are with them through the duration of these infusions that, um, you know, they, they really like let us in and let us be a part of it. And, and we get to be kind of right there for all of it. And then all of a sudden it's like, they, 
they graduate and they go on down the road. And we're like, you and I are always like so bummed when it's a day that they're they're finishing their infusions and their protocols done and and they're they're done because it's just like it's a little bit sad, right? Yeah. You know, the beauty is when people are struggling with these things, it, they are they are intimate and um, you know, issues that they're dealing with. And um to go from, you know, just meeting them from their intake. Um, to their to their first infusion, and um, there's a bond that's formed there very quickly, and you know they 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 do let us in to their most intimate parts of their life, and what they're struggling with, and so you know when we're here with them and holding space, so we can feel the energy and the shifts that are happening, and um, so you know you do form a, a very deep bond very quickly with the patients, um, but then it seems like it's over so fast, <laughs> and yeah. um, but you know. Just we're not seeing them quite as frequently, but we're staying in touch with them, obviously, and we do a, a one month follow up, and and they and our patients know that we're here for them anytime they need something, um, and so I think for some some of our patients, it's going to be a long term, um, you know, relationship and and continued treatment and therapy, and then some people will get their healing and move on with their life and, and you know, enjoy their new um, joyful existence. So it's it's beautiful either way. But, yeah, for sure. Enjoy their their new fully formed neural pathways going in the right direction this time. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. It's it's really it's been awesome. It's been so rewarding. And I think that's just one thing that um that I guess I didn't expect was, you know, how quickly we do form these bonds with our patients. And and I have also really loved kind of to see the variety of it is a pretty big demographic. You know, we are seems like we have more male patients than female for the most part. Um, and that may change, who knows, but it is a big, you know, diverse range of socioeconomic backgrounds and, you know, age and, um, even just the different conditions that people are coming in to treat. But I have really enjoyed just getting to see that variety. And then also, I don't know if you can touch on this a little bit, but I also really did not expect to see some of the kind of themes, I guess, that present themselves. Like everybody's ketamine journey is different. And obviously whatever you're here to work on is different from one patient to the next. But we have sort of seen as we're moving along now, some themes pop up in terms of like sometimes what patients are experiencing in their journeys, whether that's visuals or sensations or um, sometimes even smells. It's funny what we've had that a couple of times where this is like a one very specific smell that two or three different patients have noticed. Um, So can you touch on that? Like why that happens and what you've perceived anyway in regards to that? Yes. Speaking to to the first part uh, about um, seeing you know, a lot of men come through the practice, that was really surprising to me, um, you know, because as males, you know, we're taught to be strong and, and really not get into our feels and, and not to cry and not to experience, you know, um, being emotional. Um, and it's really been um, amazing to see these men come in and be vulnerable and expose themselves and explore their emotions and um, you know, and trust us. Um, and so that's a, that's a huge, um, a huge thing for, for a guy to come in and admit, you know, that they're struggling or they're having uh, issues. So I'm really proud of, of the guys that are coming in, um, and getting in touch with, um, you know, their emotions and, and their past and things that are holding them back and, um, you know, being brave and taking the challenge. And that's been a, a bit of a surprise. Um, as far as the journeys go, um, yeah, it's really, Every person um, has a unique um, experience with ketamine, and then each infusion um, is different for every patient. That's also been um, really interesting to watch. Um, and and they say that you know every time we come to the medicine, um, it's different because we're different, right? So their brain has changed a little bit. The neural pathways have, have become changing, you know, changing, and and their their neurochemistry is a little different. And so every experience is going to be different. And, you know, they're one, one journey, they may be healing one part of their past and then that's healed and they're moving on to the next one. And so they're, they're all very different experiences. They have, but they do have some, some really cool themes. Um, and whether that's the medicine, whether it's the space that we're holding, um, I'm not really sure. I'm not, where, I'm not sure where that comes from. But yeah, we see these recurring themes of um, water or, 
I was kind of interested to see that there's a lot of people that, that um, have these, um, they travel to places where it's um, like, I think you went to the, to the <laughs> South or North pole and it was icy and yeah. Antarctica. <laughs> and that's been a recurring theme when people are saying, Oh, I went to this really you know, cool place where it was, um, you know, it was ice and cold and uh, yeah. And yep. it's so fascinating because, you know, we don't really know the meaning behind that. And when I had that experience in my uh, one of my infusions, I was like, what a random place, you know, like it, I went to a glacier in the in the in Antarctica. And I mean, that's just so random. And then, you know, every once in a while we have these these people that are like, wow, I just I found myself like, you know, on an iceberg. And I'm like, whoa, I was there, too. <laughs> yeah. So it's really fascinating. Um, you know, we know the things that happen in the brain when we give people ketamine. You know, we know that it acts on 23 different sites in the brain, and we know that it bathes the brain in glutamate, and we know that it stimulates this brain-derived neurotropic factor that stimulates the growth of new nerve cells. And we have all this great scientific data that we know what's happening, a lot of what's happening with ketamine. We don't know it all. Um, but really, the most interesting part to me has been the mystical side of it, you know, and the stuff that's not so sciencey <laughs> because it's an important part of the healing process. Um, but it's, it's not really quantifiable and it's not understandable. And, um, it's just, that's what makes it so mysterious and, and so cool to, to listen to these people and listen to their journeys that they've had. And, and, uh, it's fascinating. I agree completely. And I agree that that mystical, mystical component of it is very healing and very important for, you know, the process as well. And we tell our patients all the time, like the ketamine itself, just having the medicine in your body, like that's 80%, you know, and we have to remind patients a lot, like you don't have to do anything, you know, just, just let us hold space for you. Just be comfortable, just be willing and open and receptive to the, to the medicine and like, let the ketamine do what it needs to do, you know? But then I also find that allowing yourself um, to enter into that kind of mystical experience um, and that disassociative state, um, people are really um, pleased with having that experience. Even the people that are a little bit scared or maybe have never had any type of, you know, um, psychedelic experience before, and they're very afraid of like, what's going to happen to me? Am I going to, you know, am I going to be tripping? What am I? And so when, when we, ease them into these journeys and and they do discover that kind of like, I wish there was another word for it, but um, experience that disassociative state, you know, and, and in that sort of spiritual mystical way, in combination with letting the, the ketamine do what it needs to do neurochemically and on the body and everything, it's a beautiful combination. And if you could, I'd love for you to elaborate a little bit about why ketamine kind of brings about those type of experiences. And I do think it is, you know, set and setting for sure, because I'm not saying you're going to have like a fantastic, you know, mystical spiritual experience if you're doing it, you know, <clears throat> recreationally at a rave or something like that. But if you could touch on that, that would be great. Yeah, we know from all of the studies, um, the NAP studies and, 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 and previous studies back in the 50s, that that set and setting is extremely important. And, um, and we try and make our setting here um, conducive to people having the ability to let go and release and you know, hope being a safe space where they know that they're being monitored and guided and, and watched over and, and allows them to just let go and and really go, you know, very deeply. And, you know, as, as humans, we want to try and control everything. And that's kind of, <laughs> that's a challenge um, for a lot of people. But um, the ketamine, eventually, you know, when we get the doses high enough, um, you don't have that control and you're sort of forced to let go. And, and um, the other really interesting thing um, about ketamine that makes it a little different from some of the other psychedelics and the plant medicines is that, you know, the plant medicines have, um, most people believe they have a spirit to them and they have, you know, they bring, you know, some somewhat foreign visions or things like that. But ketamine is really about reconnecting with oneself um, and that dissociative state, um, you know, takes away all of the, you know, human monkey mind stuff that's going on and just puts it all aside, um, you know, puts the ego in the backseat, as we talked about before, and just allows the patient to reconnect with themselves. And I think that's such an important part of any healing journey. I think that our disconnection 
from ourselves, disconnection from nature. Um, you know, we get distracted, we get, um, you know, our ego takes over. All of these things that um, make us disconnected from ourselves get in the way. And when you have that profound connection um, back with yourself, that's when you are able to release the things that are no longer serving you and to live a life that's in a, in a connected and purposeful way. And I think that's you know, a big key part of it that's hard to quantify and hard to, you know, science, <laughs> but yes. um, that's such an important part of it. And it's, like I said, really cool to watch. <laughs> Yeah, I completely agree. It is such a big part of it. And and we get to see that. We we really do get to watch that happening. Um, you know, as the infusions continue and someone's, you know, getting close to completing all six, I mean, we're watching sort of that reconnection happen and it's it's really beautiful and so healing. So I just have been blown away um by by the experience and by ketamine as a medicine. And we're still learning so much and we're still tracking like our own data and learning a lot from our patients. And the more we do this, it's just been incredible. So I feel like it's going to be a probably recurring thing to have you come on and, and talk about ketamine more often, just because like I said, we're we're always continuing to learn and, you know, um and tweaking things and making changes and compiling data. So it's it's evolutionary and it's it's just fascinating. I love it. I'm really glad to have this platform to be able to to speak on it and because there's so many misconceptions and so many people don't really understand what this is about. Even some of our patients have come back and said their friends are saying, You're like, what? <laughs> um, and but and it is it is getting more into the into the public domain and you know, folks like Huberman having a, a ketamine episode and and it being on the you know cover of Time magazine and and in, you know publications where you know the lay public are starting to learn a little bit about a bit more about it. But I'm really super grateful to have these platforms to be able to um, introduce it to people and let them know what it's really about and uh, and how it can can really make profound changes in people's lives. Absolutely. I agree. I think the misinformation part is a big deal. And, you know, even yesterday I was at the dentist and I was, I went after work. So I had my scrubs on and the hygienist that was cleaning my teeth asked me where I worked. And I told her and she said, oh yeah, I work part-time for this other pediatric dentist and we use ketamine over there on the peds patients. And it's fantastic. We love it. You know, it's there, it's so much easier for these kids and there's no side effects and it's so much safer. And I'm like, see, I love that. I love to hear her, you know, cause sometimes in other situations, and I'm sure you get this too, people are like, you do what you work with what? So that's just part of it is just, you know, being a uh, vocal about dispelling misinformation and reminding people like, Hey, this is a very safe medicine that's been used for, for a long time, um, in different medical settings. So I agree with you. I think it's important to to keep the conversation going. And, and also I think people are just really interested in it. So I'd love to have you kind of keep coming back periodically and, and let us know what's going on on the forefront with, with ketamine. And also with some of these other, you know, we've talked openly on here before about what's on the forefront with, you know, therapeutic use of, uh, of a lot of different medications and medicines that are, you know, in trials and that are looking really promising. And um, I'd love that to just be a continuing conversation too, because we've, talked about that openly before. Like there's a lot of hope and a lot of promise and in some different uh, medicines for, for treating, whether it's, you know, depression, anxiety, trauma, chronic pain, autoimmune, you name it. It's like, we've got, we've got some really promising stuff coming. And I think ketamine's just like on the ground floor of that, but there's a lot more to come. Yeah. So all, all the work that MAPS is doing, um, you know, and, and doing real, uh, hardcore science on um, psychedelics and MDMA and psilocybin and DMT. And, um, you know, I think that the, the horse is out of the barn and it's, it's, it's running down the road. And it, I think it's, it's come too far to, for it to be bottled back up again, like it was back in the fifties. Um, and that this, this um, healing is, is truly needed in, in the times that we're living in. And um, it's just a matter of time before these things come out. And I think it's important to, to make sure that, you know, we're doing it in a, in a way that's safe and um, is not going to cause anybody any harm. And so I think this, the scientific studies are important and needed and the data that we're getting from it is, um, you know, it needs to be there and, and, um, and there needs to be some 
some people may disagree with this, but I think there needs to be some regulation so that we don't, you know, we don't cause any harm and that we know the appropriate doses and the settings and the things that the integration afterwards and how we can really maximize um, the results from these these medicines. But yeah, ketamine is the, the first one uh, um, that's, you know, legal and for us to use, but I think MDMA and psilocybin are not far behind and, and DMT as well. And so it's a super exciting time to be in this space and to watch all of this um, unfolding before our eyes. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that was always our plan too, is, you know, we, we want to be here on the, the forefront of it. And, and hopefully here in South Carolina, you know, we're not dead last in terms of like states that get, you know, the authority for, for some of these, you know, medicines to be used in therapeutic settings and stuff. And, and I do agree with you, you know, to an extent about regulations and why they're important too, but I just personally, I, I get worried about how much regulation and by whom and to what level and the, the, um, the extent of big pharma getting involved and, you know, especially when it comes down to like um, some of the entheogens and these are like, you know, plants or fungi or, you know, they're from from the earth. And then you have these, you know, big pharmaceutical companies trademarking them or having rights. That's the stuff that that makes me nervous. But, you know, we have people like you said, like MAPS and Rick, Rick Doblin and, and those type of organizations that are out there fighting the good fight to make sure that there is a balance of regulation and also um, keeping these compounds um you know, and the use of them um, to an to, to as much as it's appropriate, um, free for people to use in ways that you know are promoting healing and health, and not um, not dangerous, right? Yeah. So you know, the fungi are still going to grow, and the, the vine uh, for ayahuasca is still going to grow in nature, and it's still going to be available to people, right? Um, and but this may open up um, uh, these. Um, treatment modalities to some people that may not feel comfortable, um, you know, going to South America and sitting with a shaman. Um, and so, you know, it, it does open the door to, to another section of, of um, humanity that, that really needs the healing as well. And then I think the biggest thing is going to be these drugs are going to be, you know, right now they're a schedule one, which is the same as heroin or, you know, um, cocaine and, and those things. And, and and a Schedule One drug is one that is highly addictive and has no medical use. And clearly, these plants and uh, you know, don't fall into that category. They're not, psilocybin and ayahuasca are not addictive. They don't have addictive potential, and um, they clearly have medical use. And and it's being shown and demonstrated. And so I think the powers that be are not going to have any choice but to reschedule them. And yep. that, you know, that will open up. And then the whole other thing about decriminalization, and that's happening, you know, in more progressive parts of the country like Oregon and California and Colorado. Right. And so it's I think it's a natural, you know, path for it to, to spread to other parts of this. So I think it's um they're not going away. Um the, the natural um plant medicines are not going away and and the pharmaceutical grade will, will, will serve a portion of the population that um, it's meant to serve. Yes, I agree. And I think there there can be a balance too. You know, it's funny when you were saying like not everyone is comfortable getting on a plane and going to South America to sit with a shaman, but you know, maybe they are more comfortable going to get their, you know, um synthetic psilocybin from the Harris Teeter pharmacy. And if that's your jam, you know, zero judgment, but I'm like, <laughs> it's just not me. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. But I also feel like we've said this a lot of times too, like um, with, with some of these medicines, like they find you um, when in the right way and the way that they're meant to. And, and, you know, if someone's just more comfortable going that route and then that they get the the medicine that they need and can work on their healing that way, more power to you. I'm all for that, but I guess I'm kind of a traditionalist <laughs> when I think about it, you know, I'm like, I don't know, let's, let's keep this stuff. Like you said, like, thank God it's still growing. The Amazon still has, you know, um, they're still protecting a lot of these, these beautiful medicines and plants and, um, and mushrooms are growing everywhere, man. And they have for a really long time. So it's not like it's, you know, out of our hands and in the hands of the government and big pharma there, the people still, you know, can, can do what they will, but yeah, it'll be an interesting collaboration. And that's, you know, the age of Aquarius, man, this is like what this is all about. And, um, 
and it'll be interesting to see but but yeah it's it's cool to to keep an eye on what's coming and what's on the forefront there and and on that note you know i i want to talk to you about um you know the, th- the whole theory or theme or field of medicine that is um regenerative medicine and i think the the best way to sort of like segue into that is talk about the injury that you happened early uh, that happened to you earlier this year and and i'd love for you to talk about that and kind of how some things fell into place for us um, or the universe put some things in into place for us um, more specifically you <laughs> um, with after that injury yeah so um, in early May um, you know we've only been open about a month or so um, things were going so beautifully in my life and um, I was um, you know, super happy and and the uh, practice was was going great and we're seeing all these wonderful transformations happening and everything was just smooth sailing and then <laughs> i went to a yoga class and um, which i hadn't been to yoga in a, in a, in a while and um, put my body in a, in a position that it wasn't supposed to be in and um, injured my hip and um, i thought oh i just you know maybe pulled a muscle or something like that and but i had some numbness and um, it, it became very quickly, it became very painful. And um, you saw me limping around the office. I couldn't sit, I couldn't stand, I couldn't walk without, you know, pretty significant pain. And, you know, was to, to the point where literally, you know, in the middle of our ketamine journeys, I had to take a break and lay down on the floor, you know, while the patient was was journeying just because it was, it was in so much pain. And so I finally gave in and went and got an MRI of my back and hip and um, found that I had sustained a full thickness labral tear of my right hip and the labrum is the cartilage that sort of keeps the ball in, in the socket and um, so anytime there's any movement or weight bearing um, you have a tear there it's going to be you know, really painful and so I spoke to a couple of orthopedic friends and an anesthesiologists that I knew um, that had the same injury and they all said the same thing, you know, just it's not going to get better on its own. Just, you know, suck it up and go get the surgery and spend 12 weeks in rehab, uh, miss a month of work and, you know, just get it taken care of and, and move on. And I, so I started researching a little bit about um, the procedure, arthroscopic um, repair of the labrum of the hip. And it's, um, it's a very difficult um, procedure to do. There's only one guy in South Carolina that really knows what he's doing. He's up in Greenville, so I'd have to travel to Greenville. And then about 20% of the patients that have um, hip arthroscopy and labral repairs wind up having a total hip replacement uh, within a few years, a significantly high percentage. And so that really did not resonate with me. I really didn't want to go down that road. So I started researching a little bit. And actually, the day before my injury happened, I ran into a, a nurse at a Kentucky Derby party. And she was trans, she was, we had mutual friends in common, and, and she was telling me she was transitioning from traditional nursing to selling um, exosomes. Um, and exosomes are um, little vesicles that um, are produced by our stem cells um, to signal um, the immune system to come in and repair and heal um, damaged tissue. And so she was selling um, a product that helps with recovery after um aesthetic procedures like microneedling and um, with radiofrequency or Morpheus. Um, and so it was just serendipitous that I met her the day before my injury. And then I, I contacted her and I said, hey, you know, I know you sell aesthetic um, exosomes, but is it, you know, are people using this um, for orthopedic injuries? And she said, yes, of course, it's off-label, but um, yeah. So it's, it's a regenerative um, product that helps our body. Our bodies are innately intelligent and they have the knowledge and the ability to repair themselves, you know, especially when we're young and healthy and we have lots of exosomes and stem cells around to help. Um, but if we just get out of the way and allow our body to do what it knows how to do, it will heal itself. And if it has the proper equipment like exosomes and stem cells, it can do just that. And so um, I had her ship me some and I injected um, a bunch of exosomes, um, 700 billion exosomes intravenously. 700 billion. 700 billion, <laughs> um, which is a lot. And then, and then I also had some injected directly into the hip um, using a, um, uh, I have a interventional radiology friend who did an arthrogram and put a needle into my hip joint and then we injected um, exosomes directly um, 
to the area. So we that I drove you up to to Beaufort Memorial for, and you you had that done, like you said, with the interventional radiologist. So it was legit. It was not um, me ejecting the the stem cells into Dr. Dan's head here at the clinic, just in case anyone's wondering. Um, no, it was it was definitely it was done at the hospital and under fluoroscopy and all that. So so how did you how did you feel immediately following? I mean, we're, I know you, we were like really hopeful because again. You're saying you were in pain, but like you guys, this man would not go home. He wouldn't leave work and go home. He would lay on the floor in between uh, patients. And sometimes <laughs> when patients were there, he would just have to lay on the floor. He was on a good day on crutches, but I would come into a room and he wouldn't have them. And I would be yelling at him, go get your crutches. And then oftentimes he was in a wheelchair. I mean, he couldn't walk. He was suffering. He was in absolute misery. So we were really, really hopeful. Um, you know, that, that this, that doing the stem cells was going to, was going to help. Um, so you did that, the, you had, you injected them and then you went and had the, the procedure done with the interventional radiologist. And then what happened? So I was super hopeful here. We had another friend, um, in common that had gotten stem cells down in, in uh, Central America and he had chronic knee and hip pain. And the next morning he woke up and he was gone. And so I was really, really hopeful that that would be the case. And uh, when I woke up and I was still in pain, I was like, oh, I'm not so lucky. But but, but within a few days, and I'm talking maybe five days, um, each day, the, the first day after I felt something was happening there, I don't know that my pain was any worse, but I could tell there was something different or something happening. I knew that the exosomes had found their way um, to the site of injury. And then within, I would say about five days, 80 to 85% of my pain was gone and um, I was still on crutches and you know still couldn't stand or walk for any prolonged periods of time but I could drive my car I could sit in a chair I could you know be at work without being in agonizing pain and so that was tremendous and then I had this is going to sound very woo-woo but I mean I, do you know what podcast you're on Dan <laughs> <laughs> yeah um my my grandmother who was an amazing, amazing human, left to be almost 100 years old. And she's um, on the other side now, and she's uh, a guardian angel for me. And she came to me in a dream and told me that, um, you know, that if I get the stem cells, um, my hip's going to be good as new, and don't worry about it. So I, I chose to go with exosomes first because they're quite a bit less expensive than stem cells. They're a little more they don't have to be cryopreserved. They can be in a regular freezer. It's a little, a little easier to handle, and they're less expensive. And some people feel they're you know almost as effective as the stem cells themselves. They're easier to get and that sort of thing. So I, I went with that first, and and they did help me tremendously. But I knew that I needed something extra, and so I contacted a friend of mine um, uh, who was um, trying to open up a stem cell clinic down in Costa Rica. And he kept on running into um, roadblocks there and, and things were not happening. And so, um, but he had a connection to a stem cell company and I asked him, hey, can you send me some stem cells? And um, he did. And, and I did an infusion of those just through an IV. Um, doing the arthrogram was, was quite a undertaking and, and I wasn't sure that it was really needed. You know, if you do them intravenously, the stem cells are smart. Um, and they're going to find their way to the areas of inflammation and set up house and start repairing. So, so I had 100 million um, stem cells, and I would say within a week from that, maybe even less, um, my pain was completely gone. And within two weeks, I was back on my bike, you know, climbing the Ravenel Bridge and doing a 20 mile ride and doing jumping jacks and exercising and getting back to my life. Was it. it was literally like you guys if you remember that scene in forrest gump when like little forrest is running and the braces fall off his legs <laughs> and he's just running that was like dan going over the bridge on his bike we were like he did it he's healed because <laughs> we had seen him you know in so much pain and suffering for so long and then that's when i knew like damn it worked that's when i knew there was no question that the stem cells had been successful when when you rode your bike over the ravenel bridge again um and then now it's like it's crazy i mean you're literally like completely cured right yeah i mean i was staring down the barrel of a, a very uh, invasive surgery 12 weeks of rehab you know a month off of work and the possibility of a total hip replacement 
and I've gone from that and the, and the amount of time it would have taken for me to get the surgery done completely healed and no side, no after effects whatsoever. So really incredible and remarkable. And, you know, it, it's something that's not taught in med school. You know, we don't learn really about stem cell therapy. And, um, and so, you know, most, most doctors in, in Western medicine, um, you know, don't know much about it. A lot of people think it's snake oil and, and, you know, but the science is catching up. Uh, the science of regenerative medicine is starting to take hold. And it was really set back, you know, back in, uh, I guess it was in the eighties, um, when stem cell um, research was, um, really t starting to make some, um, some gains. Um, they were using, um, aborted fetuses, um, for the stem cells. And that, you know, of course, is a very emotionally, politically, religiously charged subject. And um, there was a lot of regulations put on stem cell use. And there was a lot of infighting and, and um, political wrangling um, regarding stem cells. And, um, and that's all sort of changed. Nobody uses really abortive um, fetal tissue anymore. Um, we're able to um, get stem cells from a couple of different sources, right? So we'll talk about that a little bit. Um, there's something called autologous stem cell donation, which is where um, we take some fat from a patient or bone marrow um, from a patient and we isolate their stem cells um, and then re-inject the patient with their own stem cells. That's called, called an autologous um, stem cell transplant. And um, that has been, you know, that's where most of the research has um, been under, undertaken and um, and that's completely legal and above board and, and approved by the FDA, but there's some limitations to that. And so, you know, when we're taking, so in my, my circumstance, if I'd taken some fat or bone marrow and taken my own stem cells, one of the thing is I don't have as many as I did when I was a newborn, right? Or five years old, you know, so my stem cells are old. Um, they don't um, multiply like, uh, like they did when I was younger. They're not a, just like all the rest of my cells, you know, just not as efficient or effective. And also there's a very a, a limit to how many stem cells you can, um, you can, can gather from a, uh, from a patient. And so we're talking about small numbers of stem cells. So they're not as effective and you can't get as many. Um, um, so that's autologous. But they're your own cells. They're super safe to, to use and, and um, you know, you're just injecting yourself with your own stem cells. So um, that's not a big deal. But. Um, the other type of stem cells um, we are now obtaining from umbilical cord tissue. So these are um, the, the stem cells come from umbilical cord tissue from a young mother, typically under the age of 25 or 23, with a first time uh, pregnancy, um, a healthy mom, healthy baby, no genetic defects going you know a couple generations back, and then. Um, the mother is given the choice to, to cryopreserve the stem cells for her child later on in life if, if something should come up with a child would need stem cell. Um, or they can elect to donate their cord um, to the hospital, or they can say they don't want to have that done and then it's just discarded as medical waste. But if the mother does say, yes, I'm you know, not interested in cryopreserving for myself, but I'm more than welcome to donate, those stem cells um, are then sold to a stem cell lab. Um, they're uh, multiplied in the lab and then, um, you know, purified and tested for all types of uh, infectious diseases and to make sure that they're safe. And these stem cells, because they're coming from umbilical cord tissue, right, they have to pass between the mother and the baby. And so they have to be able to... Um, not stimulate an immune response from, from either the mom or the child. And so they're what we call immune privileged. So with any other organ tissue, typically, you know, if you try and transplant it from one individual to another, that other individual is going to recognize that as foreign tissue and um, try and reject that. Whereas these um, mesenchymal um, stem cells that come from umbilical cord, they're immune privileged, so they don't stimulate that immune system to, to notice it as foreign and attack it. So um, they're also extremely safe. Um, there have been thousands upon thousands of studies um, using these type of cells. And 
um, very few adverse events, um, you know, 14,000 patients and maybe a couple of hundred um, adverse uh, events, and usually revolved around the procedure itself of, you know, putting the stem cells in a joint or putting the stem cells in the spinal cord or, you know, this, you know something that we're doing to the patient. It's not the stem cells themselves, it's the procedure. So, um, so there's a lot of research that's not FDA approved um, in the U.S. A lot of people are going to South America and Central America where, um, where it's being used um, readily um, and above board and legally and all that sort of thing. So um, there's more and more research being done on regenerative medicine, and I really believe that it's going to be the future of medicine is going to be um, allow enabling our bodies, our immune system to be able to heal itself, giving it the tools um, it already has the instructions, just giving it the tools to be able to to regenerate um, injured tissue, um, diseased tissue, that sort of thing. So it's it's fascinating. Again, we're on the on the tip of the spear with this, and um, but there's already a, a vast amount of data. Um, you know, from really hardcore science on effectiveness of stem cells. And it's, we're just getting more and more information about it. And we're just at the beginning of this. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think it's fascinating if you think about the body's ability to use itself to heal. And I mean, you can look at like, <clears throat> for example, you know, nuchal cord blood or, or you know, um, anybody who's had a baby in the last, I don't know, 20 years or something, you remember when you go to the OB and they give you like the pamphlet and it's like, hey, do you want to save, you know, the cord blood from the umbilical cord um, after birth, after delivery? So like, that's another, you know, and then you, so it's like that, you look at the amniotic fluids, you look at the, um, obviously, you know, the stem cells in the uh, umbilical cord. It's all amazing how, or even the placenta, for example. And I know again, not everybody's like super on board with that, but I've talked about it before that, you know, when I, when I had Thomas, I encapsulated my placenta and, and took it in little capsules and I had zero postpartum issues whatsoever. I, my hormones were fine. I felt great. I slept. I was incredible. And, you know, we're, we're literally just using the, the body and the body's like own innate um, wisdom of how to heal itself. And then you get like concentrated forms of it and use it when you're sick, injured, have disease, inflammation, injury, whatever. And it works. It's amazing. Right. I mean, I just love that. Like we are finally now having some, you know, I, I say air quotes, like, okay, science is on board now. <laughs> I'm just one of those people. I know you're like maybe a little bit different because you went to medical school and you're more science minded as a doctor. And I'm just like, I don't need the science. <laughs> you know what I mean? I believe it. I believe in the body. I believe in the the healing um, wisdom that the body has. And we just need to to study it more and learn how effective it, it can be. And seeing stem cells and what they can do is amazing. So I'm with you on that. I think it's going to be pretty incredible. I'd love for you to talk a little bit about how we're using them here at Coastal Academy. Yeah, so of course we started off with uh, the aesthetic um, use um, using topical exosomes and plant-based stem cells and things like that to help people recover from their procedures more quickly and have better results um, overall. And then of course with my um, personal experience and um, seeing what it um, did for my orthopedic injury, um, you know, we've had some other patients come to us and uh, you know, know that we're um, you know, using some of these uh, regenerative treatments. And so we've treated everything from arthritic knees to um, people with neurologic disorders like um, MS um, to people with autoimmune issues. Um, so there really is a very wide application of exosomes and stem cells in a variety of, of diseases. And, you know, just talking about what you were saying about the body's innate ability to heal, um, it's, it's, always been something that's fascinated me from the beginning of my science career that there's this thing called the placebo right and it's acknowledged it's necessary for any study that's got it's you know that's going to carry any weight it has to have a placebo arm because we know that's 30 40 sometimes 50 60 percent of the patients will get better just thinking that they are receiving uh, a healing treatment. 
receiving a medication, receiving a surgery, receiving whatever it is that, you know, a psychedelic. So our bodies, our, our mind's ability to, to create healing with no <laughs> intervention, you know, no external intervention is, is known and acknowledged, but it's put away in a little box and called placebo. And right. instead of studying what is going on here, you know, why, don't just put it in a box and set it aside and say, that's, you know, that's placebo and let's ignore it. Why aren't we studying what's happening in those patients? You know, because there's something going on, you know, and yep. we know so little about it, but, um, but yeah, so, you know, we're, we're giving these patients, um, uh, stem cells that can help regenerate and repair damaged tissue, disease tissue. And it's working in conjunction with our own innate immune system and our own repair mechanisms um, to help heal these people. And it's really, again, something that's just beyond science and fascinating about it. And that's what makes me so interested in it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's great to see. And on your note about the placebo thing, too, I think there's people out there like Joe Dispenza, for example, who talk about it a lot. And ha and he's a very like data driven sort of like um, has the science to back up what he's talking about. Um, but he's a big one, you know, uh, referencing that. And I agree with you. It's like we can't just dismiss that that information as irrelevant. Um, and it's funny because I just the other day was reading a an article, I actually was an article with a research a study um, by the National Institute of Health, and it was on um, microdosing psilocybin. And one of the things that they said in there was like, they were attributing a lot of the uh, notable scientific uh, trackable positive changes in patients to being placebo. <laughs> and it was like, well, it has nothing to do with, you know, the, the psilocybin they're taking it's placebo but wow these people got better but anyway it doesn't matter because it's placebo so we're disregarding <laughs> and that was a that was a national institute of health you know study so i i get you i'm with you there but i'm really excited to see where where we're going with stem cells and and um you know on the autoimmune note you know we did a protocol for me a specific autoimmune protocol um with stem cells geared towards treating my uh hashimoto's thyroiditis so before we did that, we ran a panel of labs and we, you know, got our baseline. So, you know, a full thyroid panel, we did antibodies and we did um, some specific uh, inflammation markers before we, we uh, did the stem cell um, uh, uh, procedure. And then, you know, we're going to wait <clears throat> six, eight weeks, something like that redraw labs and kind of look where it's at. And anybody who knows me knows that, you know, I've been very outspoken and passionate about my, my issues with my own autoimmune and, and dealing with that chronically and the inflammation in my body. And I've made a lot of really powerful changes in my life and my diet and with my stress and, um, you know, uh, foods I eat and, um, you know, clean water and all that kind of stuff. But but what an amazing addition it will be to be able to really um, use stem cells to potentially, you know, target and heal um, the thyroid gland and get it back into, you know, producing some thyroid hormones in my body naturally, which, you know, I've been told by endocrinologists is just not possible for me ever. So, or anybody for that matter who has Hashimoto's thyroiditis. So what an incredible um, breakthrough that would be. And, you know, I want everyone to stay tuned because we're certainly going to be reporting back um, with the, the, the results on that. But Dan, I think it's probably time for you to also mention we have some kind of big news to share um, about the sort of future of coastal ketamine and aesthetics. If you want to mention what that is, yeah. So we're um, through this process through my injury and my hip, and speaking with um, with uh, our dear friend down there, um, his stem cell um, company in Costa Rica just didn't didn't um, wasn't able to be completed, and so. Um, he lives in South Florida, and he has been successful with um, aesthetic spas down there in the past. And um, and so he was interested. He's kind of sold out his um, his interest in those uh, other clinics, and so um, he was interested in um, getting back into the aesthetics game. And then when he heard about what we were doing with um, ketamine and then um, the stem cell treatments, um, he was um, really enthusiastic, encouraged, and wanted to 
partner up with us and and opening uh, a second location down in Delray Beach, Florida. So we've been um, working uh, all summer, um, getting things together. Um, and hopefully we're going to open up here in a couple of months, our second location, um, doing our incredible work with, with ketamine and and also offering aesthetic services and then, um, then the stem cell therapy. So um, I'm still, I'm, I am uh, from Charleston and I love Charleston and I'm not going anywhere because of ketamine. Charleston is not going anywhere. So um, we're going to hire um, a really wonderful uh, nurse practitioner to run things down there. And I'll just be the medical director and, um, you know, sort of um, do the training on the ketamine and, um, aesthetics and that sort of thing. And then um, we'll have a, a really wonderful um, crew down there that's going to run um, our Del Rey location. And um, so we're really super excited um, about that. And the people that we have down there are on the same page and, and, and really wanting to, um, you know, to, to do the healing that we're doing here and just expand and grow and, and offer it to more and more people. Totally. I love it. I'm so excited. And I mean, I don't think either of us thought that this would be something happening this early on, but it's time and it's just the natural evolution, I think, of what we're doing here and the medicines we're using and the the treatments we're doing are working and, and people are finding healing. So it's like, here we go, you know, Dr. Dan, the ketamine man, like who knows how many more coastal ketamine and aesthetics clinics we're going to have next time you come on on the podcast. But also it's like, Thank God you listened to the dream that you had with your grandma, you know, like, thank God you are the type of person that t- took heed and paid attention. Because also, I will say for the record, if any of my dead relatives show up in my dreams and tell me to do something, you better believe I'm a fucking do it. <laughs> no questions asked. Like, I-, I can just see myself, you know, showing up at the doctor or something like, well, you know my dead dog came to me in a dream and it was very specific, but we kind of roll that way down. We're like, Oh, nope, this is meant to be no questions asked. And thank God. Cause look, look what's come to fruition. You know, you know, you and I had no idea, but you know, who knew who Dolly, the astrologer, what did she say? What did she <laughs> uh, say? Yeah. When I was listening to, um, our back in February, you know, I hadn't even opened this location yet. And she was talking about somebody that's going to come in, um, a business partner that's going to come in and take things to the next level. And um, I really didn't know what that meant or <laughs> what she was talking about. I was like, I'm, you know, it's all I can do just to get the closure to here in Charleston. But um, I, I couldn't imagine. And she was talking about this this time frame, like late summer, um, for this to be happening. So, wow. Well, there you go, guys. I mean, there you have it. And also, I think, again, that eighth house, eighth house perfection year theme, you know, other people's money, taxes, like it's all plays in very much with with the theme of that year for you. So the universe knows the stars know. I mean, it's that's how it is. It's amazing. I, I think it's cool, too, because just circling back for a second to that theme of next year for you with like the foreign travel and uh, foreign places and everything. I, I want you to talk for a minute about you did just come back um, just a few weeks ago from spending some time in South America yourself. Um, and I would like for you to talk a little bit about the organization that you were there with and how you support them and a little bit about their cause, because it's so awesome and it's very dear to your heart. And I think the people need to know about that too. So will you share about Operation Purify for a sec? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, So um, I've been working with a nonprofit organization called HEAL, which is the Heaven and Earth Ancestral League. Um, And they're a nonprofit organization that is dedicated to the healing of our service members. And um, so they um, run a retreat called Operation Purify. Uh, They support a retreat called Operation Purify. And they help um, financially support um, our service members um, who are struggling with um, PTSD, depression, um, any sort of mental health issue that, um, you know, came from their, um, their time in service. And so Operation Purify is a two-week retreat down in the Amazon of Colombia. And uh, it's on a beautiful farm there. Um, And the service members are connected um, with nature through a series of um, really beautiful um, indigenous um, ceremonies. 
and um, they spent two weeks connecting with each other, connecting with the earth, connecting with um, these um, these ceremonies, um, sweat lodges, and plant baths, and all these really cool things. And it was it was an incredible two weeks, and you know, I was there as um, you know, somewhat of a facilitator, but also taking place in all these, and and to watch these um, soldiers who, you know. One of them was a was a Canadian um, captain who was in charge of a large platoon, and I believe was in, a, in Afghanistan. And they were on patrol, and and one of the U.S.'s A-10 Warthog planes came over the horizon, and and mistook them for Afghan for uh, for the Taliban, and and strafed their whole platoon, and it was chaos and destruction and. It killed three of his um, platoon uh, members and injured many more. And when that happens, um, you know, in the fog of war, you're just thinking about um, survival for yourself, survival for your teammates, um, helping to helping the injured, getting them, you know, medevaced, getting you know the, the scene secured, and all of this is going on, and you don't have time to process. The next day, you're back, you know. With pack on your back and you're back out on patrol and you don't have time to to grieve you don't have time to process your trauma and so it just you you bury it and move on and and this has happened you know since the beginning of time when you know when 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 men war against each other and um and so then they come back from um from the war and they they spend time finishing out their service um and then and then they're out of the military and they're out in the world and then this stuff starts coming back up and um you know wreaking havoc on their lives and so this was a space um for for us to come together and heal and to see um this canadian soldier process what he went through on that day and wake up reborn a new person without that you know still packed away it's just um it's incredible so incredible and aren't you sponsoring the second retreat for operation purified yes so this was the first um retreat um and it was sponsored by four visions market and a couple of other individuals um very generous and you know a lot of our service members um you know, who can't, couldn't possibly afford, um, you know, two or three thousand dollars to go um, on a retreat, um, and so, so um, they require, you know, they, they rely on sponsorship um, from people that care. And so, Coastal Academy and Aesthetics is going to sponsor the second Operation Purify, which will take place in March, and so we're going to help um, get fifteen service members. Um, down there for this incredible healing, and uh, it's a great um, honor and privilege to be able to uh, to do that. And so, um, if you're interested in um, supporting this as well, um, um, you know, contact us through email or social media, and and um, we'll let you know about the Heal Foundation and and how you can help. Yes, absolutely. I'll make some notes in the show notes too with some links where people can check that out. And I also want to remind everybody, as always, we do offer veterans a 10% discount on our ketamine protocol here. Um, we love to support support our vets. Obviously, Dr. Dan, a vet himself, and um, you know, it's a it's a cause that we we support very much. Um, so please know that that it's always a 10% discount for our vets here on the ketamine protocol. And um, one other thing I want to throw out too, um, Dr. Dan's been gracious enough to, to allow me to offer our listeners um, at a 10% discount on stem cells here. If you come in and mention that you heard about it on the podcast, we've got a special discount just for you on that. So 10% off on stem cells. We've got the discount for ketamine for our vets. Um, Dr. Dan, tell the people where they can find you, where they can find us. Yeah. So we're um, on the gram. Uh, mine's Dr. Underscore Dan Underscore Ripley. Um, you are the Taylor Taylor. Mm-hmm. And then our um, Instagram for um, Coastal Ketamine. Help me out. I, I believe it's Coastal Ketamine and Aesthetics. But you can, if if you 
pull it up that way or have a trouble finding it, just find Dan or I and we'll link you up through there. We've got a, both of them on our bios, so it's pretty easy to find. Um, and then obviously our, our flag flagship original home homes uh, clinic here in West Ashley. We're inside the beautiful Three Seeds Wellness Studios. Um, you can check out our website, check out our Instagram, give us a call, swing by sometime, see me, the doc. Bo's always here too. So we'd love to have you stop by and check out the space. And we're super excited about what's coming down the road. And I will make sure to uh, link back some updates in here about what Dolly says about Dan's astrology that's coming because I know it's going to be juicy and good. So Dan, thank you so much for coming on the pod again. I know this will certainly not be the last time. We always just enjoy having you so much. And I think people love to hear you share about what you're doing and these great medicines and treatment modalities that are helping people. So thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. And we'll see you again next time. Thank you.